0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Anif Baharude, and you're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. We're going to get a bit more theoretical in this week's episode, specifically looking at a theory that's pretty important in architecture. We're going to be exploring semiotics and structuralism in architectural design. Yep, it does sound a bit complex, but don't worry, our guest of the week, Elisa Elisabrina Ismail, the Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying, University of Technology Malaysia is going to help break it all down for us.
1: Thank you so much for the question, Hanif. Okay, um, if I really want to explain about structuralism and semiotics, it is very lengthy because it is it is more related to a theoretical framework or what we call a research methodology that can be applied in architectural design. But I try to be very precise and also very brief as possible to let the listener actually understand. So if we look into structuralism and semiotics, it is actually a providing ways of studying human cognition and also communication. So for the benefit of the listeners, I will explain one by one in turn. Uh, I will first describe what is structuralism first and followed by semiotics. So historically, if we look into structuralism, it was first advocated by the French sociologist named Ducayme and Moussoumous. And then it became a kind of a dominant theory in the social sciences during the 1960s and the 1970s. So in the late 1960s, the psychologist named Piaget argued on the relevance of structuralism to an even wider range of disciplines, looking into the, the role of mathematics to philosophy. So Piaget looked into more kind of a criticism a kind of a more formalized kind of a version of structuralism but then in the late 1970s um, the idea of a structuralism was further expanded and addressed by Bodo and also Giddens so and Bodo and Giddens look into structuralism as the terminology by the idea of post-structuralism so the idea of post-structuralism and then was further elaborated by Foucault and also Derrida, where they related it to structuralism more into the idea of symbolism and how does it relates to the idea of power, social culture and so forth. So if we look in this sense, um, structuralism actually uncovers the conceptual codes and conventions which govern and exist concerning the ob- observed object. And for that matter, it will actually relate to the rules and regulations, the codes and convention, to explain how various cultures or societies organize their ideologies, give meaning and make sense of the built environment. So in this sense, when you use structuralism, it enables one to actually to identify the codes, the custom, the habitual laws, the conventions that actually can give a set of interpretive possibilities to a more in-depth understanding of existing, how does structural relationship happen between object and also the human culture. So in brief, I would like to say that structuralism is actually can frame the social sciences research. And structuralisms actually hold the knowledge of reality. So in this sense, uh, it, it is made up of signs, signifying practices, and also structuralism is the basis form, the idea of semiotics. So as we can see, s- structuralism is actually related to semiotics. Structuralism means how to understand things in a structured manner. But semiotics, in one hand, is, is actually the study of signs and symbols. So how meaning uh, actually being, can be constructed and also can be understood. So if you understand semitics, it is actually covered three main areas of study. The first one is the study of the sign itself, which is the code and the system. And how these signs are actually organized and the culture within which these codes or signs operate. And if you look at, at this semitics, it is actually can be applied to the fields of art, literature, anthropology, architecture. And there are two dominant models relating to the study of semitics. One, it is brought forth by Charles Sanders Peirce, and another one by a linguist um, person known as Ferdinand Saussure. So both persons like Saussure and also Peirce gives a different kind of explanation in terms of approaching Semitics. Like Saussure, he is more proposing on the idea of dualistic notion of science, uh, meaning notion of signs, meaning that looking into meanings that link between the signifier and the signified. For example, Hanif, uh, if, if we look into a formal convention, for instance, if I look into the building of mosque, for instance, so mosque actually gives you the sign that that relates that actually can give you meaning a building. So it gives a direct interpretation, one-to-one kind of a meaning. But if you look from the hand of Charles Peirce, uh, he upholds the triadic notion So the triadic notion means it goes deeper into understanding uh, the idea of objects of a sign because uh, Charles Peirce covers three layers of understanding, which is the object, the sign, and also the interpretant of the sign. So he looks into the object as the subject matter of the sign, And then he looked into how does the subject matter can actually represent uh, some something or some meaning that can be interpretable. And then he looks at the definition of the interpretant, which is the interpretant sign that gives the idea and the form, uh, how does the sign actually can give meaning. Okay, So if I want to go on, it goes on and on because it is a theoretical framework. And if you want to know more detail, it is a very interesting kind of a research, Hanif. But that is just a general basic understanding. What, what is the uh, semiotics and also what is structuralism? Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, it sounds very theoretical. Um. And so how, how do you relate it to architectural design then? What do these terms mean in architecture?
1: Well, in the world of architecture or in the world of a built environment, um, the idea of semiotics had been widely used by a lot of designers and architects. And uh, if we look into the semiotics and its implementation into architecture, it is actually fall under the category or the term of social semiotics. So, social semiotics is one level that's being extended from the ideation or the interpretation of, of semiotics that is um, being Uphold or put forth by social and also by purse. Uh, social semiotics is actually the idea is actually propagated by Roland Barth. So Roland Barth is a philosopher who looks into uh, and articulates that the idea of social semiotics is actually relating to the material context of the daily life that signifies the practice within the social context within uh, an articulated of a codified dimension. So in this sense, when Roland Barthes talk about um, architecture, when he described in, in his a lot of research and, and studies, he looks into uh, understanding of uh, an object as a cultural object as a system of signification or sign because it has a different multi-level structure and it covers three layers. You have the denotative mode, you have the connotative uh, mode and also you have another one is known as the myth. So this is one uh, actually can be defined like the first order, you have the second order and the third order. So um, for, for instance, for example, I'm taking the example of the mosque. Okay, So at the denotative level, what Roland Bath was saying is that when you look at the mosque, you can see that mosque is actually made up of physical architectural elements. Uh, you look at the direct kind of interpretation where it has a dome, it has a minaret, it has arches, entrance portal, it has a courtyard and things like that. And these are all the elements that made up the mosque building as a religious um, place for the Muslims. But then if you look at the connotative level, you being start to... Um, associate the mosque physical architecture with the existing culture and the society. So for instance, if we look at the place of the Muslim of worship, we can actually associate it with the um, Muslim community, where it can become a religious learning center, where it can become a a Muslim spiritual uh, building place, where it can be an interaction center within the community of the Muslim people and also with the non-Muslim. But if you look at another level, which is at the third level, known as the mythic level, you will start to understand that the mosque is actually a sign that it can actually activate the myth of the Islamic religion. So in this layer, you will understand that the mosque is not only serving the purpose and the function of, of a Muslim religious person, place to pray and things like that. But it actually can symbolize the idea of status, identity, power, glory, economic standing, national identity, and and so many, many more understanding uh, of, of the elements of sign itself within the mosque. So in this case, if you look that in the level of mythic kind of interpretation, the mosque can be the statement of Islamic ruling the ideological symbol the propagation of islamic thinking uh, the symbolic representation of islamic power and presence you know the dominion of the islamic government and 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 so many more interpretation that can come into place yep so so i hope that explains things uh, hanif
0: <laughs> mm, mm, all right so how important is this when it comes to learning about architecture, especially? I mean, considering that you're a lecturer, mm-hmm. right? So, when do they have to actually learn about these things, you know? And should they learn these things first, and then only learn the technical skills, or does it come after you learn the technical skills?
1: Well, the understanding of semiotics is actually embedded into um, the the design curriculum in in our architectural studies, because as you can see, uh, when when a student entered their degree level, uh, they have this subject known as um, history and theory in architecture, and they have a, a theory of design subjects. So this is where actually we integrate the idea of understanding of semiotics into the, the subject matter, because this is actually the, the rule of thumb for, for students to understand that whenever that you design something, it communicates to the user. So when you design a building, it, it does not mean it is a 3D form that just to give aesthetical values but it also must provide function. It must also convey and um, transmit certain meaning and messages, not only at the level of the um, individual user, but also at the level of the community level and also at the understanding at the national or at the global level. Because you can see that architecture is actually a very powerful tool and it can actually convey different different sets of meaning and give a lot of messages to the society and in one one sense also uh, if you understand the idea of Semitics and if it is properly understood and really applied well in, in the design scheme, uh, it actually can produce a building that that is not only functional, but a building design that actually can portray um, and, and also can help uh, to generate the society towards a, a better kind of a living environment. So yeah semiotics is actually something that actually need to be understood well by the students not only by the students but also by the professional and also by by the architects and also by designers at all different level. So because as you can see um Buildings actually can can become a political symbol. It can become a sign of religious belief, economic power, national identity, and and so many more. So if you really interpret the idea of Semitics in a different way, in a different manner, it can give uh, the wrong message, it can give a wrong signal to the audience or to the user or to the one who viewed the building. Yeah. So it it is very critical in that sense, uh, Hanif. Hmm.
0: What about, uh, for the lay people out there? You know, how should they? I mean, like you said, um, it's important for, I guess, the designers, you know, the architects to be able to design a building that will be able to, um, communicate if that's the right term to use clearly to the public, right? But at the same time, uh, when it comes to, um, the lay people out there, you know, should they also be able to, I guess, interpret and learn about, um, symbols and semiotics so that they can perhaps also understand these things, you know, one way or another. Maybe not, you know, in a very technical way, but also be able to, I guess, interpret the message that's being sent by, for, say, for example, you know, building, you know, one of the tallest buildings in the world.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, for, for laymen, um, that's why if you if you understand and, and read postmodernist architects, you know, like Charles Jenks and you have Robert Venturi, they actually have done a study on, on actually how to, to give this understanding of semiotics at a layman level. So, that's why when it looks at the complexity of the building design itself, you know, because sometimes when when people look at simplicity, they actually more understand and more appreciate uh, what is the value of the building design in terms of the spaces and also in terms of the creation. And this actually happens during the postmodernist and and also during the modernist era, where actually can see a lot of building design by um, Le Corbouger, Mies van der Rohe, where they talk about minimalism in design. You know, when, when you talk about minimalism, and you talk about functionalism, where actually you look aesthetics in a different way of perception, not on the decorative elements and things like that. So this is where when people look into building simplicity manner, they more appreciate that. So I think um, this is how the way, if you're going to talk about layman, Actually, you cannot put forth that everybody will understand symbolism and things like that. But like a basic thing, for instance, when you look into the Chinese culture itself, uh, they had actually embedded this idea of Semitics generation for generation. So if if you look into how the Chinese community designed their house, feng shui always come into place, the idea of yin and yang. And, you know, they, they always believe in, in in feng shui, in how they locate the building itself. So the idea of feng shui is actually the elements of Semitics because it relates to the idea of symbolism. And for instance, the Chinese believe in the use of red colour where it brings luck. So when you put red colour in the house, you know, uh, it, it gives luck and wealth to the owner and also to the family. So this is where symbolism comes into place. So for instance, if, if I take the example of a traditional Malay house, for instance, the either a traditional Malay house was designed according to gender. You know, you have the female and you have the male, and when they design the house, they have the. Um they divided into segments of the house where they have the middle house, which is known as the rumah ibu, and they have the veranda, which is known as the male domain area. So this is where symbolism also comes into play, where it relates back to sign, where it relates back to Semitics. So since tradition, the ancient times, the, the idea of Semitics has been embedded throughout history, you know, in temples, uh, in, in religious buildings, in public institutions, in, 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 in so many, many more kind form of of Building topology, yeah. So I think uh, it's it's nothing new on on this uh, subject matter, Hanif.
0: That was Ellie Sabrina Ismail, director of architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying, University Technology Malaysia, sharing her knowledge on the concept of semiotics and structuralism in architecture. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharuddin, and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM eighty nine point nine. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharuddin. Joining me on the show today is Alice Sabrina Ismail. She's the Director of Architecture at the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying, University of Technology Malaysia, and she's here for a more theoretical conversation this week. We've been talking about the concept of structuralism and semiotics in architectural design, and after a brief explainer in the first part of the show, Alice is going to expand on her explanation by giving us more real-life examples of how semiotics and structuralism in architecture can be seen in our daily lives.
1: Um, yeah, so if, if you look into the um, traditional Malay house, I'm taking one example, traditional Malay house. Uh, if you ent- if you look into the traditional Malacca Malay house, for instance, when you have this uh, grandiose staircase located at the porch that is made from a, a very nice kind of a ceramic tiles, you know. So it gives this sense of what we call um, celebrating for, for, for the visitors to enter the house. So once when they enter the, the, the veranda way, that is where, the, where we're known as the male dome. Domain. But once when they enter the, the middle house area, which is the Rumah Ibu, uh, Rumah Ibu is actually is segregated between the male and female. But when you have the Rumah Dapur, which is the kitchen uh, area, which is at the back, that is actually the, the female domain. And if you go upstairs on the attic, there's the loading. And usually when you talk about the Malay culture, they have this uh, anak dara, you know young ladies right in the house. So they have to protect in terms of of, of their marwa and things like that. So they place it at the at the area of the attic. So so this is where what we call gender segregation comes into place in terms of the planning layout of the housing. And one example if you look also into the um traditional shop houses that you have. And you have this uh, middle, middle area of the courtyard where actually they leave it open. So they will give the lighting and also um, rain to come into the the area of the courtyard. So it's some sort of rain collecting water area for them. So this is where in in Chinese belief, uh, in the traditional shop houses is where they talk about the when the rain enters the house in the middle of the courtyard, they bring wealth to the owner and also to the house owner and also to the family. So there are a lot more examples, uh, if I want to take uh, from the traditional houses and and also to the modern uh, typical building design that you have now uh, in the society. So in, in that sense, um, I think it's a common if you look into housing, if you look into uh, public buildings and so forth, like mosque and things like that. But from from your attention, Hanif, I think I would like to to also talk that when we talk about education institution, also it can also symbolizes the idea of semiotics and symbolism. So, for instance, if you look into higher learning institution, and I'm taking example like uh, University Islam Antarabangsa Malaysia or UIA, for instance, the way how they design the university with a lot of uh, Islamic elements to it. So, this is also where it it is uh, looking into this idea of bringing Islam into the education of, of a symbol of the country. So in this sense, uh, when uh, UIA was, was designed in that sense, it gives this ideation that Malaysia wants to become a, a Malay Muslim, uh, not only a Malay Muslim talking about in terms of religious, but talk also talking into um, knowledge and also knowledge building among the society. So that's why the UIA design in terms of the facade actually focusing on a lot of uh, lavish kind of an Islamic design that, that resembles the idea of the Middle Eastern and so forth so as, as the evolution of, of the Malaysian history architecture goes by, a lot of these uh, semitics and symbolisms are getting deeper and deeper and it's being manipulated uh, and also it's, it evolved from the small scale of the traditional houses like I mentioned just now to the traditional shop houses that, that usually happens within the small community and to the larger, bigger context which is at the global and international level like the university that I mentioned. So this is where you can see the level of Semitics getting bigger you know from the um smaller scale up to the global scale where building actually can can signify power can signify economic standing can signify political power religious belief and so forth
0: how do people interpret um these these um symbols for example like and is it open to interpretation or uh, or is it like, for example, standardized. And what I mean by that is that, you know, for example, if let's say we're talking about a hundred floor building that's very, I guess, imposing in the middle of a city, the interpretation can always be similar, regardless of individuals, for example, like, or, or is there a contestation between like how people interpret these things, for example?
1: Yes, different people will have different views. So that's why if you understand the concept of Semitics that is put forth by Saussure and also by Perth just now that I mentioned, like Perth, they are looking into this triadic notion that this three level and you talk about Roland Bath where you talk the interpretation of the denotation, connotation and myth. And when you look into the level of Saussure that looking into uh, symbolism of sign within the um, dualistic kind of a notion. So this is where it looks, back to the viewers or to the audience when they viewed the building you know for instance if I look into the Manara Maybank which is in, in, in KL for instance was designed by Hijas Kasturi so from one sense of an angle you some people will just view the tower it's just like a normal office building you know like a, a metaphoric kind of expression but then if one person viewed the building more details in one sense they will look into the building it looks like the symbol of the crease you know, the way that that they have the way, where he just got to replace the core uh, on the side of the building. It looks like the head of the keris and things like that. So this is where we call a metaphoric expression. So it also relates to Semitics on how you interpret the building. And another example is the Tabung Haji. I know it's a very famous building in Kuala Lumpur. It was built in sometime in the 1970s, Tabung Haji. Uh, Tabung Haji, like some people resembles, it looks like a bubu, you know, like the fish trap. Right? The, the round shape. But actually, when the architect designed, uh, he actually does not design it just to showcase it as as, as a fish trap. Because at, at the ideation of the architect, when when he designed uh the building, actually, he wants to, to to design a kind of an open planning office concept where you have the core in the middle. But then at the end, when when the design was finished, then people look at it and interpret, oh, it looks like a fish trap, you <laughs> know, it looks like a boo boo bubu ikan you know and things like that so this is where what we call the interpretation actually defined by certain certain people when they look at things you know like if I talk about the national library you know the national library uh, it looks like a, a direct metaphoric kind of expression you know like relates to sim- symbolism and so Semantics, it looks like the um, uh, they call it tengkolok you know in, in, in the, in the Malay, Malay culture so and also the istana budaya that it, it resembles the Siri Junjung, you know, and and the way how they design the the layers of the roof. So this is where it comes back to place on metaphor expression and also relates to semiotics and symbolism. How do people view things? But architects sometimes they just like to to imitate the re, the real object and turn it into built form. Okay, so this is where the danger comes in, Hanif. Because if you have a direct interpretation, sometimes it, it really affects in terms of the architectural planning and the architectural design, where sometimes the plan doesn't work, it doesn't give function. Of course, they really want to follow the form making of, of the object that they imitate or they, they copy. But at one sense, it, it showcases the, the, the negative side of it. So that's why when it goes back to the postmodernist period, those architects, uh, they, they talk about how to make a building design that actually can give meanings and messages to the user, but by not directly imitating the object that the design wants to look into it. So they try to go into what we call symbolism and they try to go into layers and layers of meaning. So, this is where you call it playing with the facade treatment, play with the sp- spatial layout organization and, and things like that. Yeah.
0: Now that you mentioned that, uh, where is practicality in this concept? You know, is it, is it, is it as important or is practicality an afterthought?
1: It, sometimes it can be both, Hanif. <laughs> sometimes it can okay. be an afterthought. Sometimes it can be a before thought also. So yeah but but as the designer goes all along the way in designing the building um sometimes what actually that you really want to convey to to the or, or to the user of the building when they use your building so th- that is the most important question because usually if we look into terrace houses design right uh, for some people, terrace houses, modern terrace houses, design that you have in in a lot of uh, housing estates nowadays in Kuala Lumpur, in Johor, in wherever it is, it is like a common kind of a statement where you copy and paste the 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 design itself, you know. The same facade treatment you have in Kuala Lumpur, the same facade treatment of housing that you have in Johor. So this is what we call the the idea of symbolism. Sometimes if you misinterpret it, it it cannot give you the sense of belonging. It cannot show you the idea of identity to it. So because when when you look into terrace housing, uh, whether you are Chinese, whether you're Malay or you're Indian, you, you stay in the same terrace houses. And you, sometimes you cannot actually distinguish or, or you cannot actually bezakan um, or tahu which which is the differences where, where this is a Chinese family, this is the Indian family, this is a Malay family. Because the way of the facade design is, is all the same, similar. So it doesn't give this sense of identity to it. So that's the danger if, if the idea of symbolism and semitics is not well interpreted into the design.
0: What about spaces? Um, we're talking about architectural design, and I think to a certain extent, we mean the literal design of, I guess, buildings, monuments, and whatnot. But what about spaces? You know, um, for example, like, you know, Datara Merdeka I mean, which is just, if you think about it, it's just a field, right? But that in itself can also be interpreted in terms of looking at the semi- semiotic of things as well, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, of course. Spaces also play an important role, Hanif, because spaces actually can symbolize so many things. You know, if you look into the Greek architecture, the way how they designed the agora, you know, the agora is the first ideation where they talk about the, the gathering place for the people where they talk about the idea of democracy. You know, the public space that we have now actually existed long, long history ago during the Greek period where, where they have this public space known as agora that we actually apply in the modern context. So the way how the Greek designed the agora, it is actually uh, in the center where it is actually surrounded by the temple, um, by the public building like their offices and they have the libraries and they have the agora in the middle. So this is the same concept and model that actually we applied in the modern context. So if you look at the design of the public spaces that we have now, the gathering spaces, it also can symbolize so many things. You know, it can be a public speaking corner, it can be where people gather to rally, or it can be a gathering of the community, um, of of the people in the city. And and this actually affects where you place the public space. And, and how that public space actually can function as a focal point or as a node, as a gathering uh, center, to actually uh, become a, a connecting space for people to meet each other. So this is where it relates back to the idea of, of, of symbolism also, in public parks and, and also uh, in the planning of public c- in cities and things like that. So to, to me is that, not only we talk about public spaces like outdoor public spaces but indoor public spaces also plays an important role in in how you design the circulation of the spaces so this this actually um, a kind of 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 a thing that we should look into because on how on the hierarchy of spaces how you bring people into the building in and out of the spaces. So they can convey this ideation of, of meanings and, and give experience of phenomenological experience to the um, audience, also to the user of the building. Yeah. I totally agree on that, Hanif. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm, all right. Okay. So, um, have these concepts um, evolved throughout the years and you know, what are like, for example, some of the more contemporary interpretations of, of, of these concepts?
1: Um, the, like, like what I mentioned uh, before is that if you look into the ancient history of architecture from the Greek, from the Romans, uh, up until to the modern context, the modern contemporary context that we have now, the idea of Samoitics actually had been embedded. You know the way how the Greek designed their uh, agora, the one that I mentioned, Pantheon. You know their religious building, and you have the Romans' era, and then you have the Byzantine, and then you have the Christianity, and then you have the Islamic uh, era, and things like that, up until the postmodern Ponadism. Uh, and then now we have a lot of uh, different architectural styles and architectural eras and things like that. So the evolution of symbolism and the usage of Semitics has become more intense. That's That's what I'm trying to say. Because at, at, at the ancient times, sometimes the interpretation of Semitics into building of architecture, the community perhaps not looking into, into higher hierarchy or into a into bigger level. But at the later part of the architecture um, evolution, for instance, uh, during this, this uh, what you call that, economic era, for instance, you have the tallest building in the world, right? Uh, you have the largest building in the world. So all of this actually try to show the idea of supremacy it you know, symbolizes the idea of, of the ruling government, the power, political power, political standing, uh, economic stature of, of the leader and try to showcase the country not only at the local but at the global level, trying to attract people, trying to showcase economy and, and try to what we call become a power in that sense. So this is where Semitics not become more complex in that sense. So like, for instance if you look in the in the olden days you know where you designed the mosque like the Kampung Laut Mosque, you know, it's it's a very small, small kind of a cute structure, uh, just to serve the purpose of the society within it. But then, when the ideation of this powerhouse come into place, you know, the mosque was turned to become into a mega big structure. You know, symbolizes the idea of Islam supremacy, uh, political power of the Islamic leader, and things like that. So. This is where the evolution comes into place. Building become more complex with a lot of ideations of Semitics and and signs comes into place, with the different different levels of interpretation to it.
0: I see. Yeah. I mean, what 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 I can gather from that is that um I guess one way or another, modernity and to some extent capitalism has also I guess made the study a bit more complex because I think you're right in, in, in explaining that to a certain extent. You can argue that, yeah, because there is this, this race to somehow showcase yourself um, you know whether you know individual corporations or even nation as the best right so so there is the, that race for supremacy is, is something real which makes to an extent interpretation of how how we design our buildings also a bit more complex these days right?
1: Yeah it is it's is getting more complex because the society on the way of how they, 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 they rule themselves in terms of the social hierarchy and social organisation is getting more complex and not only that um, because when we live in a society There's a lot of different ethnic backgrounds also comes into play, you know, and you talk about uh, competition, uh, you talk about legalizing certain ideologies or thinking, uh, certain practices or belief system within the society itself. So all of this is reflected back into the architecture. And this actually gives and influence the way how we live and how we, we lead ourselves within the built environment so I cannot say it's good or it's bad you know because we are human and and human always evolve as time goes by Uh, but in certain sense, as a designer, um, you have to be careful, actually. So where is the, the clear direction that you want to go and, and how you're going to showcase your building? What kind of messages that you're trying to convey to the society? And, and I think that's that's a very critical point that all of the designers and also students, architecture students, uh, need to look into it to become uh, and to help the country to grow. Yeah, that's very critical in that sense.
0: You've been tuning into I Love KL and that was Elisa Sabrina Ismail. She's the Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University of Technology Malaysia. And we've been talking about the concept of semiotics and structuralism in architectural design. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl. Our brand new app, which you can find via Google Play and the App Store. And you can also find our podcast on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharuddin, and you have been tuning in to iLoveKL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week, only on BFM eighty nine point nine, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes, BFM eighty nine point nine, The Business Station.